Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name is Shay Kamrichka, and this is Two Temples, the podcast providing a platform for guests to talk about their psychedelic experiences. We discuss how these experiences have helped us learn lessons and overcome personal issues. My goal is to help end the stigma surrounding psychedelics. You can help by sharing this podcast with your friends and on social media. I believe we can undo the decades of lies about psychedelics and expose their healing potential by sharing story after story until the truth is undeniable. In today's episode, Thomas Hartle, a 52-year-old husband and father of two, tells us about his experience being the first Canadian to receive legal psilocybin psychotherapy for end-of-life care. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, and it has progressed to stage 4 after many surgeries and treatments over the years. Thomas is a very positive guy and was a pleasure to talk with. I put a link to Theracil in the episode description for anybody looking for this kind of treatment for yourself or someone you know. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share on the podcast, please email me at twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact me through Facebook and Instagram. Two Temples is now on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify, so make sure to show some love on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks, and enjoy. Going well. All right. How about that? Got it in one. <laughs> you just on your phone? Yeah, just on my phone. Yeah, right on. I think that's what most people do. I think one person had, like, a laptop or whatever and had a headset, but the phone works just fine. Like, I haven't heard any uh, audio differences really even so no and i've been throwing on a headset which seems to work all right oh yeah right on right on so uh, how are you feeling today actually having a good day today yeah Yeah, it is uh uh, so today is a day i uh, decided to try a microdose just to uh, see if uh, that made any influence or not and uh, uh, i would have to say it's definitely below my perceptual level, but a good day. Uh, how much did you take? Uh, 0.75. 0.75. Okay, that's a that's a decent dose still. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. Um, not enough for me to be able to notice it, but... Uh, huh. Do you know what uh, strain it is? It's uh, Psilocybe cubensis. Okay, yeah. Um, and how much do you usually take for, like, your actual... Um, like for my, for your actual, for my actual therapeutic yeah. session, yeah, I did uh, seven grams. Seven grams. Oh wow! <laughs> what was that like? <clears throat> that was uh, really peaceful. <laughs> really, that's yeah, interesting. Actually, uh, um, as an experience, I would have to say that uh, that was well, nothing at all like what I was expecting it to be, but it was a very positive experience for me, I'd have to say. And uh, there, There's not really anything that I experienced that was negative in any way, which was frankly kind of surprising to me because, you know, when you listen to a lot of what other people have reported as uh, experiencing, a lot of them experience, you know, things that are difficult or traumatic, and I just didn't have any of that. Really? So what were your experiences like? Like, what, what did you feel? Uh, it was uh, really uh, synesthetic for me, so um, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with the term, but that's where your uh, senses kind of get crosswired a bit. Okay. Um, for me, uh, listening to uh, music with the headphones on uh, created these really vivid uh, environments, uh, spaces, I would call them. And uh, then my consciousness just kind of became those spaces. What kind of music were you listening to? 
Uh, it was the uh, John Hopkins playlist for the most part. So uh, the John Hopkins study actually has this uh, playlist that's a mix of uh, different instrumental pieces. It has some uh, uh, chanting. There's uh, kind of a, a selection from, I guess, what you would consider some different tribal type music. So some from, say, the Amazon, some I would consider from uh, Africa. Cool. Some I think was possibly even uh, Inuit as well. Ah, and of course, probably somebody dropping off a package. <laughs> Don't mind if I chat while I check, right? No, no worries. No worries. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it always seems to happen right when you start, eh? Of course. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that, that's cool. So no, no Lady Gaga then. Uh, no, 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 nothing crazy huh, at all. Huh. <laughs> um, so when it was like sort of chanting, were you almost in like a tribal setting? Uh, interestingly enough, the uh, spaces that uh, those particular pieces of music created uh, did have a lot of elements that I would associate with those cultures. Yeah. Um, some of the uh, the rainforest type music produced uh, images that I would associate with, uh, say, Aztec or Incan style of artwork. So um, tubular on uh, what would be the lower part of what I was seeing, and uh, very much like uh, bamboo rainforesty on the top. So it was kind of like a, a mix of something sort of modern looking and something definitely very foresty. That's interesting. I wonder if it was sort of your your body creating one of them or your, like your mind or whatever, and then the, the influence of the music sort of, you know, splitting it. It, uh, it makes me question. Um, you know, I don't know uh, whether I was envisioning those particular things because I had some preconceptions about the music or you know whether uh, some tribal person at some point saw the same thing that I was seeing and made artwork as a result of what they saw yeah that's that's really cool um, it's, a, it's a head scratcher yeah yeah when I do DMT I like to have uh, I, I go on YouTube and I, you know, search up DMT music and there's one, I think it's 963 hertz and it's just like a kind of tribal drum beat and then it's got sort of a kind of background sound going on and it just, yeah, it brings you right to this like very tribal setting and that's the one I like to listen to just, I, I don't know, brings me to a cool place. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, uh, trying to find new bands that sort of uh, resonate for me. Um, been listening to uh, Hang Massive lately, new uh, band that I have just recently discovered, and uh, I uh, I like the style of music, anyways. What kind of genre is that? It is uh, hang drum music. I'm so not uh, familiar. <laughs> It's interesting. I can send you a link to uh, 
what I found over this uh, COVID season, they did kind of a live concert from their backyard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm interested yeah. in hearing it. Maybe I'll add it to my playlist. I don't have much of one going right now. I, I don't listen to music that much, but mm -hmm. I, I want to start, definitely. So uh, I, I guess for me, a lot of the experience was really uh, composed of the music and a lot of introspection. How um, long were so the songs? Like, would you feel a difference in, like, visuals and everything when the song would transition? Yes, definitely. So um, every song was a different space, and even the gaps between songs were a space. Um, the spaces between songs felt more like potential. So I, uh, <laughs> huh. it was a, a feeling of what could be there as opposed to what was there. And then as uh, the next you know, musical piece would uh, begin, then that space would begin to take shape. Huh. So like an anticipation sort of thing, like a waiting feeling or? Um, well, I suppose anticipation wouldn't be uh, a bad word for it. Um, I don't know, potential is what comes to mind. Okay. Uh, so it, it feels like it, uh, you know, could be something, but <clears throat> just hasn't had anything to give it a shape yet. Right. Okay. And so, what what was the structure of the the therapy like? Like, how did it how did how did how it did go? It? Yeah. So it uh, it begins a uh, at least a couple of weeks in advance. So yeah. you uh, you don't have a chance to have a chat with a uh, a therapist. In my particular case, that was uh, Dr. Tobin. And you established a rapport and a trust. Um, he gave me a, a fairly good idea of you know, the, the types of things that I could probably expect out of a session or things I might potentially uh, encounter that might be challenging. And uh, after you establish your trust, then a day before you do your session, there's a, a series of uh, tests that you take that are kind of uh, baseline anxiety, depression, uh, levels of you know uh, despondentness, that type of thing. Okay. And uh, that's just sort of to give you an idea of, of where you are sitting at before you start the session. Right. Um, the day of the session. Um, you uh, you take your uh, psilocybin. In my case, we did that in a stepped-up dose, which was, in my opinion, uh, a really safe, comfortable feeling way of doing it. So I took uh, two and a half grams, waited uh, 45 minutes. Uh, Were you at home? Two and a half. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. And the so, therapist uh, is there with you. Yes. Okay. I skipped that part. I have done a couple interviews and no, 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 and, uh, no worries. <laughs> sometimes I lack on details. <laughs> I apologize. So yes, uh, Dr. Tobin agreed to come to Saskatoon from uh, his home in Victoria, so making uh, a pretty fair trip on my behalf, which I am extremely grateful for. And uh, we set up in uh, we have a, a spare room at home here, so just. Uh, comfortable, safe feeling environment. Um, 
you know, pictures of uh, family and, and, and things like that. So definitely not a sterile clinical sort of an environment. You, you want something that feels uh, comforting and comfortable. Yeah, for sure. I had uh, Dr. Hogan with me. I had uh, a good friend of mine, uh, John, who was uh, volunteering to be a sitter and hold space with me. And uh, also had uh, Peg Peters, who was uh, videoing the entire experience. So, Did the uh, uh, video camera make you feel weird at all? Didn't, actually. No? Um, I, um, yeah, I'm surprised. Nothing really weirded me out at all. But I, I think part of that is also due to I had already, you know, embraced what the experience was going to be in my mind. So, uh, you know, having cameras running and having people there and, and all of that were all very expected things for me. So, you know, when you expect something, it doesn't bother you. Yeah, it's not like they just burst it in the door and, oh, let's film them sort of thing. Like, it, it was part of yeah. the plan. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, everything was exactly the way that I was expecting it to be. So, you know, I think that probably also contributed to... You know, having a good experience out of it, um, I was extremely uh, willing to embrace like just whatever happened to happen. You know, I didn't know whether it was something that was going to be scary. I didn't know whether it was you know something that was going to be weird or or what. But you know, whatever was happening in that particular moment, I just sort of went with it. And what were you sort of hoping to get out of it? Well. Before the sessions, um, listening to what other people had encountered, I had sort of set aside uh, three things that I thought would be an acceptable outcome for me. So um, first off, a lot of people report that uh, they have a feeling that uh, you know the nature of the universe is love. So in, in however, that is actually, uh, you know, shown because uh, that isn't something that I have encountered before. I have no idea what that is is like, so that would be okay. okay. Um, a, uh, an understanding that the idea of death is ridiculous. So that is something else that I have heard other people report. And that would be, again, uh, I have no idea what that feeling would feel like so that would be an acceptable thing okay so just like the just accepting death as a natural part of life sort of thing or or even you know that the idea that it isn't even the thing okay okay um and uh, also a lot of people report that uh, uh that feeling of connectedness to uh to all things, and I, I figured that would also be an acceptable outcome for me. And and so, did you achieve all those? Well, what I actually got was kind of all those and kind of none of those. Okay. <laughs> um, so those were three things that I was expecting to get. What I actually kind of got out of the experience was the uh, an understanding that 
this uh, isn't necessarily even the only universe, uh, let alone, you know, the only way to experience it. Okay, um, cool. By having uh, my consciousness, you know, be able to uh, take on these different shapes, it gave me the impression that uh, it's actually pretty normal for your consciousness to to be things that are not you and uh, you know perhaps maybe we're a little bit limited on our experience that uh, we have in this human form yeah that that's cool I like to think of us as like as our body just sort of as our consciousness is that's word consciousness like our, mm -hmm. our reach into the physical world you know so yeah. when your body dies like it's just you, you just find a new reach in you know yeah yeah um, for me it was uh, a great deal like that transition from you know uh, sleep into dreaming but there wasn't that you know loss of consciousness that you usually have when you go to sleep you know uh, usually you know you'll go to sleep uh, maybe you'll dream you might remember it you might not and uh, for me there wasn't really any division between my conscious states. So when I wanted to be uh, present here, I could be. But uh, I could also allow myself to be these other spaces too. To drift off into almost like a dreamlike state. Yeah, it was it was very much a transition for me. Yeah. So it was you know just a and uh, and everything that I experienced was was just me and that was okay and what was the actual experience like like um, what were you seeing well for different spaces different things um, so for example um, music that had strings in it uh, formed definite geometric patterns for me uh, I was listening to a particular piece with uh, some strings that definitely formed uh, a uh, square with a blue outline it had uh, you know a light blue and white texture in the middle and uh, and a red square made out of uh, triangles in the bottom right hand corner you know I can tell you very specifically what these environments were like which I uh, also thought was very interesting so you're able to bring a lot of detail back I have trouble doing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I also found kind of surprising because, you know, you, you hear about people having difficulty describing what they have seen and experienced, but um, not really that difficult for me to, to bring it back. I felt like I was really very present for okay. everything that was going on. Yeah, that, that's good because, like, like I said, I have troubles, like, sort of describing it and yeah you did a, a good job of describing your what you were seeing yeah one of the uh, well what I would consider kind of uh, an African style of music with you know the, the drums and and chanting uh, definitely formed a uh, well almost like a corral region it was it was like a fenced-in region and what was fencing it in was uh, orange rectangles with uh, green spear-like shapes in the center of that area, the music actually formed what I would call uh, an emotion, which took the form of a physical icon. So it, 
it wasn't just sounds making uh, particular shapes and colors, but also feelings had particular shapes and structures. Okay. Did you see any entities or anything? Not a single entity. No? I was uh, kind of surprised about that, too, because that is you know something a lot of other people report to have encountered. But on my particular uh, experience, no. Yeah. It, it can be just as simple as like a shape just feeling like it has a personality or something, you know? <laughs> have, yeah. Have yeah. you had anything? Or how many trips have you had? I have or had therapy exactly sessions. one therapeutic trip. Really? So okay. you know, my, my depth of knowledge is not anything what I would call comprehensive. But it has been, you know, one legal trip, so I guess there's that. Right. So, and you've just been microdosing here and there, or do you have a pretty set schedule for that? I've not had a set schedule. So what I've been doing is uh, I just sort of keep track of how I have been uh, feeling in terms of, you know, where my daily anxiety scale would be at. And, uh, you know, if I feel that I have had uh, a couple of days where it has been creeping any at all, then I have tried a microdose the next day just to see if that has a checking effect. And what have you found? How many times have you done it? I have done uh, three microdoses. And uh, first two of those would be uh, uh, half of a gram. And uh, the third one today was a uh, three quarters. So just trying to see whereabouts my uh, borders of detectability would be as well. So I, again, very inexperienced with this particular substance. And uh, there isn't really uh, literature to just say, well, you know, if you take this, this is the effect. So Yeah, and there's lots of different strains and they have different potency too so it's really hard to judge you kind of have to do what exactly. you're doing and figure it out for and, yourself and that's, you know precisely why i have been you know advocating for research in this you know particular field because you know i have experienced the benefit from it but it would be fantastic if there was this body of knowledge that you know experts and people like me could draw on yeah yeah, definitely. And there's enough people that have done it that it would be nice to have a collective of it, you know? And that's sort of what I'm hoping to get with this is just sort of, you know, get people to put their input in of what they've experienced. And Yeah. I, I will say for the record that uh, every part of the experience that I had uh, felt like it was a positive and good experience. So... Um, for me, there is literally nothing that I experienced that I would have any hesitation suggesting that somebody else would be able to try it in a safe way. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, yeah, so not not the case for you know every uh, kind of medication that I've taken. You know, when I first started uh, taking cannabis and uh, cannabis oil you know I, I guarantee that had some bad days oh really in what way uh, cannabis is a real um, spike for anxiety for me on occasions okay uh, really very strain dependent 
and I have been uh, experimenting, trying to find the uh, the strains that agree with me and still manage the uh, chemo uh, side effects. So that has been a bit of a learning curve for me as well. And do you know any of them that that uh, are good for you? Uh, strains that work? Yeah. Uh, right now, Northern Lights seems to be pretty agreeable. So. Yeah. Um, I tend more towards the uh, indica strains. I uh, don't really need sativas. My head is busy enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> um, so that's, that's cool. How long have you been smoking for? Uh, well, I've been uh, or do you vaping smoke? and doing oil since I got my uh, first round of chemotherapy. So it's been, I guess, uh, since 2016. 2016. Okay, and you, you yeah. never dabbled with it before, and you don't smoke I, it. You just vape and use oil. I just vape it, and I I make my own uh, oil as well. Okay, do you so, like just in a dropper, and you sort of put it in uh, foods or capsules? Capsules. Okay. Right. You so, know. so what I what I do, I, I believe that's what a lot of people call like a Rick Simpson oil. Okay. So it's a a whole. The whole uh, bud extract, the bit, full spectrum, uh, yeah. sort of. Full full spectrum, yeah. Yeah. So I would do like an extraction with uh, uh, isopropyl alcohol, and uh, and then you evaporate the isopropyl to leave the oil behind. Okay, cool. And you and find that effective? For the uh, chemo side effects, it is just about magical. Um, so, for example, I can go in to get chemotherapy. Uh, if I do not do oil, I will spend you know, the two or three hours at the cancer center retching. And uh, if I have a vape on me, I can start using that when I get outside from the cancer center and between the doors of the cancer center and the doors of my house, I'm already starting to feel some relief. Do you find a difference anxiety-wise uh, from the oil compared to the vaping? Like, does the vaping give you more anxiety? or I would not say that it's really different on the anxiety scale, but it's certainly different on the duration scale. So uh, taking the oil uh, typically will take uh, at least an hour and a half for it to start taking effect. And for me, it typically has a uh, effective range of say three to four hours. So from the time I take it to the time I don't feel it at all anymore is about three to four hours. So I get about an hour and a half in uh, in relief when I take oil. With uh, using a vape you get a very immediate response but it has a maximum duration for me of say 30 minutes. Okay, so, so you have to re-up quite, quite often. Exactly, yeah. So what I will tend to do is uh, I will take the oil, I will use a little bit of the vape to uh, take care of the symptoms that I'm having right now and then by the time the oil kicks in to have the more lasting effect, you know, I'm okay. Yeah, okay, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, I got a system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no downtime. Right on. The the um, psilocybin, on the other hand, you know, I'm 
I have been strictly going on, uh, well, other people's experience. Uh, a lot of people are saying that uh, a three-day uh, break with microdosing seems to work fairly well for them. Um, I have not felt the need to use it every three days, so I'm going to consider that to be a bit of a bonus. Yeah, definitely, if you, if you don't have to use it. Yeah. Is, uh, is microdosing something that you have tried? Uh, just a couple of times. I would uh, put a couple of caps in a morning smoothie or something and, you know, do that. But I don't know. I, I didn't really find it affected me too much in the microdose. You need to take a little break? Uh, yeah, okay. I need to get this one. This one is important. Yeah, no worries. One sec. Okay. Okay, I am back. Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was uh, just uh, insurance. Got to take those calls. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, I don't really do the uh, microdosing. I I like to macrodose, so I don't really want to screw up my tolerance in between. I, I kind of have a two-week schedule. Um, I work 11 and 3, 11 days on, 3 days yep. off, so I I have to squeeze my trip in there right in between the <laughs> in them days off um but no i've tried it a couple times didn't really feel anything mm -hmm. um and my my friend actually is trying his first um i guess we'll call it a micro dose but it's his first dose so he just wants to you know start low just to he, see if he can uh, experience any part of it at all yeah he did uh 0.5 he put it into um he made a cookies and cream chocolate bar so he's oh, yeah. so he uh, he's experiencing that right now as we speak. So <laughs> I'll have to <laughs> talk with him, see how he feels later. Yeah, um, I really did not notice anything at all uh, today that I would associate strictly with psilocybin at all. Um, now, that being said, I feel like I'm having a good day today, so. Yeah, you said um, you're probably, you said you're energetic and sort of ready to get stuff done. That feels like the way my day is going. Yeah, and, and not uh, not energetic the way that uh, you know you feel like you have a cup of coffee or you're vibrating or whatever. It's just um, not, I feel not, rested. Not, not yeah, um, not weighed down or whatever. Is is, is yeah. the rested part from the uh, from sleeping so much on the weekend? You had a good sleep or? It's or... possible. Now, usually when I have a chemo weekend like that, I, I do sleep, and then, you know, uh, Monday or Tuesday, I typically feel, you know, uh, a little on the beat-up side. But uh, for my particular uh, case, not feeling beat-up today. So well, That's good to hear. Yeah. Again, you know, these are things that I don't know whether I can attribute directly to the uh, microdose of the psilocybin but I can tell you that on the anxiety scale today it really feels like a zero Wow! I, I have had a few days where I can honestly say that my anxiety levels have literally just been zero and how long have you been living with anxiety um, well as a really daily thing, uh, that came back very badly when I got my recurrence 
of uh, cancer last uh, August, I think it was. Okay, can so we sort of go through your history a little bit here? Sure. So, um, I was initially diagnosed with cancer in 2016, and okay. uh, that came about as a result of a surgery I had for a bowel obstruction. So, I had uh, something in my intestines that was uh, plugging the pipes, essentially. So. Uh, at that point, I could no longer eat, and uh, they had to do something about it. So, uh, went in for surgery, expecting to have uh, Crohn's disease, is what they believed it was at that time, and and they thought they were just going to have to remove a little bit of intestine and call it a day. Um, the uh, two-hour surgery turned into a six-hour surgery, and uh, rather extensive cancer at that time as well. So. Uh, removed a couple of feet of intestines. I had a ileostomy. Uh, that is where they uh, redirect your intestines to a pouch on your stomach. Um, and I started 12 rounds of chemotherapy. Uh, finished up my 12 rounds of chemotherapy in December of 2016, and I had a second surgery in January of 2017. So they took out uh, one more tumor that they found and uh, reversed the ileostomy, so intestines and stuff back to normal. And uh, at that time, they declared me no evidence of disease. So that means they could no longer see cancer in me anywhere. Um, <clears throat> then I had uh, regular follow-up PET scans, so that is where they inject you with radioactive sugar. And uh, cancer has typically about 10 times the number of insulin receptors on the cells than regular cells do. So if you've got sugar in your bloodstream, the cancer cells typically get first dibs on that. So um, when they use radioactive sugar, typically the tumors will slurp that up and those particular locations will glow on the PET scan. And that's how they detect cancer that way. Um, That's pretty crazy. My, yeah, my cancer doesn't do that. So um, I have got really difficult to detect cancer. It's not uh, metabolically active enough to be detectable on a PET scan. And uh, additionally, the density of the tumors is not, well, it's, it's the same as the surrounding tissue is what they tell me. So um, they can't really see it because it looks the same as everything else. So is that why they? There. That's why they couldn't, or didn't see it before the surgery. Right. Exactly. So. Okay. So, uh, uh, coming into uh, August of 2019, um, I started uh, getting anemic. So that's you know where you, you don't have enough hemoglobin to supply oxygen. Uh, so I, I am familiar with how that feels. So I uh, went to my family doctor to. Uh, get a scope done and uh, and they did a uh, scope on me and found a couple of bleeding tumors in my large intestine so scheduled a surgery in for August of 2019 to take out the rest of my large intestine at that time the rest and, of it? Uh, sorry? yeah the, the rest of it so you have um, no large intestine? well that was the plan um, unfortunately when my uh, surgeon opened me up in August the uh, cancer was 
extensive enough that to remove the cancer, they would have to like remove my whole digestive tract. It's it's basically everywhere in there. So, so what they actually did was just uh, clean up the incision line for tumors and uh, close me back up again. So I still have exactly the same parts that I had in me before the surgery. Uh, but it does mean that surgery is no longer an option for me. Okay. And has so it since, spread since? Uh, well, it's <laughs> I would really like to tell you the answer to that question. I would. Um, but it doesn't show up on a CT right, scan. Okay. And it doesn't show up on a PET scan. And uh, while I am doing chemotherapy, we can't do a scope because the chemotherapy makes the walls of the intestine thin. So uh, doing a scope stands a uh, high risk of uh, perforating the intestine, which, of course, they can't fix surgically anymore. So um, it's kind of a matter of... Uh, I, I have no idea what the cancer is doing. Right. But I... I have two what they believe are tumors that uh, do show up on a CT scan. I've had a radiologist uh, say that they may just be uh, post-surgical hematoma is what the technical term, but it's, it's a bruise. So like a post-surgical bruise, possibly. Okay. So there are two spots that could be tumors, or they might just be bruises. We don't know. And how long is your chemo? As long as I want to continue breathing is what they tell me. So uh, every two weeks I uh, go in for chemo and I've had two CT scans where those spots shrank. This uh, last one that I just had, it the two spots were stable. So they didn't shrink but they didn't get bigger either. So. You know, we're talking about a span of uh, about nine months here. I've had a reduction in those particular two from, uh, I think one was 35 millimeters, and it shrank down to, I believe, eight and a half or nine. Oh, wow. And uh, the second one started off at 24 millimeters, and it has shrank down to 13, I believe. Uh, had you started a different diet or a different medication or anything you could kind of contribute to that? Well, no, but I have started doing chemotherapy. So, I mean, I was not doing chemotherapy prior to that when, okay. you know, things kind of uh, went all over the place. Now, that's not to say that it is just chemotherapy because I do uh, definitely take the uh, cannabis oil in, you know, doses that people would consider appropriate to people doing uh, you know, Rick Simpson protocol. I also take turkey tail mushrooms um, in the same dosages that they use for things like the Johns Hopkins study where they were using turkey tail mushrooms with uh, patients with some different types of cancer there and getting some decent results. Yeah, much. Dandelion root tea, which uh, I believe a company in Windsor is uh, studying as a potential anti-cancer medication. So, you know, I, I have this whole list of things that I have found research on, and I do all of them. So, did you look into the ayahuasca at all? 
I have looked into it in the same capacity as psilocybin. So, so as a you know uh, therapeutic use for anxiety, but I have not. Sorry about that. I have not <laughs> looked into that. So, I tell you, those uh, those Revenue Canada scammers are just thick today. Oh, that's what that was. Okay, yeah, you went quiet. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's ironic because you know they call from an international number and say this is Revenue Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Really? You could at least stab it from a Canadian number? Yeah. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so the uh, ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, so I've looked into the ayahuasca um, you know, in a therapeutic capacity for dealing with you know, anxiety and depression, but I have not seen anything regarding uh, cancer treatment for it. No? Okay. Yeah, I, uh, not to say it doesn't exist. I just I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I talked to a woman on on the podcast, and she found awesome results with it. So I was just curious if uh, if you had found anything. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, I gotta gotta be honest. I haven't specifically looked for uh, treating cancer with ayahuasca. I could certainly, you know, picture some of the efficacy of that sort of a treatment by being able to get rid of some of the stress that a person is normally under. Mm -hmm. I think in the same way that uh, psilocybin has most certainly reduced the amount of emotional stress that I personally feel under, I think uh, being more relaxed is certainly a lot better healing environment than being stressed out. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that kind of helps with the ayahuasca is that you you go on a kind of strict diet before going as well. So mm -hmm. um, that might kind of create another healing environment. It might. It might. I don't know what that diet entails. I know for myself, I definitely lean to fairly heavy keto. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the PET scan is kind of enough to convince me that keto seems to be a good idea. I mean, if they're detecting cancer using sugar, then that seems to say that perhaps cancer likes sugar? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it just seems to make sense, but that isn't really something that uh, uh, I have had a lot of direction from from my oncologists. Uh, you know, in terms of diet, I, I don't know that they have a stand, or at least the ones that I've spoken to haven't taken a stand on anything for that. But I mean, really, uh, there are so many things that sort of feel like common sense that you really think that they would be obvious. You know, uh, you cut out the sugar for a disease that likes sugar. Well, okay, that works for diabetes too, right? Yeah. If you, if you have type 2 diabetes and, and you have a diet that doesn't have carbohydrates in it, then you tend not to have carbohydrate problems. Yeah. Yeah, you sort of just have to take a step back and kind of look at what what your issue is and what might be causing it. And then yeah, kind of yeah. take out the, at least take out the part that could cause it to get worse. Yep. You know, for me, I, I totally have nothing against uh, a lot of people who have uh, like a vegetarian sort of a diet. Uh, a lot of people have good luck with that for 
for my particular colon cancer and the chemotherapy that I'm on, it just isn't really practical for me because um, the chemotherapy kind of makes the inside of the intestines feel a bit sunburned. And, uh, you know, if you have a vegetarian diet, there's a lot of uh, fiber and stuff that goes along for that. So, um, a bit thicker. not really that comfortable to have, uh, think, a loofah sponge on a sunburn. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, in the, in the end, it, def- it all depends on the person, too, with what the diet kind of entails. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I've sort of found uh, a fairly heavy carnivore on chemo days. It agrees with me really well. Uh, For me, uh, meat has got everything I need nutritionally and uh, doesn't have any of the fibers. So, you know, that uh, may not not be the most uh, politically friendly thing to say you're... uh, have a carnivore diet, but health-wise, it seems to work pretty good for me. Well, if you found what works, keep doing that. What, what's your favorite meat? You know, it's uh, I've got a scale of what is easy to digest. So, uh, easiest to digest would probably be like fish and chicken, then pork, and uh, then beef. Mm-hmm. I uh, can't tell you why one is more uh, difficult to digest than another, but there actually seems to be a difference. So do you tend to stick to fish and chicken more? Yep, on uh, on chemo days. But, uh, you know, uh, if I add a digestive enzyme to the mix there, then, you know, pretty much anything is okay. Okay. My diet is very high fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said you had a fat shake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, fat shake would be, uh, well... Uh, milk, cream cheese, uh, peanut butter, hazelnut powder, chocolate, uh, protein powder, and uh, about a cup, cup and a half of 35% whipping cream. Oh, wow. That is a lot of fat. (laughs) That's a lot of fat. But uh, that's where I get a lot of my calories for the day. Okay. Um, I have a little bit of a decreased... Uh, stomach capacity just with all the stuff I got going in there. So I uh, eat stuff that is extremely high calories but uh, low sugar. Yeah, so you don't have to eat as much sort of thing. Yep, exactly. I have a. I don't know whether it's uh, tumors or whether I just have some uh, what they call adhesions. I've got enough parts missing that uh, some of my uh, bits in my abdominal cavity uh, bond onto things they're not supposed to. So uh, once in a while you will get a bit of a a snag or uh, a yank that you're not expecting to have. And is that painful or is it just uncomfortable? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely gets the attention. Yeah. Um, Things like that used to be um, a real immediate source for uh, anxiety attacks for me prior to the psilocybin. Uh, So uh, these days the exact same thing, uh, you know, it's it's uncomfortable and I don't really care for it, but doesn't trigger the anxiety attack. Well, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. So, Anxiety is the worst. 
you know, that's that's the uh, one of the best outcomes that I can ask for out of this is, you know, just the lack of anxiety. Every uh, every instance where I, I've tried to think of things that uh, were difficult for me to deal with prior to the psilocybin, uh, you know, while I recognize that I still have things to to deal with in terms of like uh, trying to to get things together for uh, future for the kids, for example, right? That was a real sticking point for me. Trying to uh, to make sure that you've got things in place financially, and that you know there are people who would there would be there to look after them in my absence and stuff like that. Uh, those were really difficult things for me to uh, wrap my head around and deal with, and and be present enough for to get something done. And uh, yep. I don't have any problem talking about stuff like that right now. That's great. Like, so yeah, it, yeah. Like I mean, uh, <laughs> it is very hard for me to tell you the difference in in how it feels. Like this is what about three weeks later, I guess. And uh, you know, it's the difference between not being able to even talk about these subjects without. Uh, having you know a very emotional response and being able to chat about it like I'm discussing a menu, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're doing very well. Um, oh shit, I, I had something I was going to ask and I forgot. Uh, no problem. Wait for the echo. It'll come back. <laughs> yeah, the loop works for me, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, when do do you expect to do it again? Like a full dose? Do you have that planned? I I expect that that's something that's going to happen. You know, because I am, you know, doing this in, you know, compliance with the, with the uh, Section 56 exemption that I have. Okay. I mean, it's the Section 56 exemption, to be absolutely clear, is not a free-for-all for me to be able to just use psilocybin whenever I feel like it and you know to possess as much as I need and stuff like that there are uh, definitely specific restrictions for uh, you know how much I can even have in possession how it needs to be stored uh, conditions for when it can be used and stuff like that so when I say that I am anticipating having to use it again, it uh, involves a lot of advanced planning to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a big process. So I need process. to have like you know a, a medical professional available and, and things like that. So those are actual conditions for being able to use it for me. So these microdoses are technically off the books. Technically off the books. Would you consider doing your own therapy without going through the, uh, the whole process, or you want to keep it legitimate? Well, why don't Why don't we put it this way? Would I consider it safe for me to do a session without a medical professional and 
just having uh, somebody who is experienced that I trust, then I would feel comfortable doing that. Uh, do I have medical professionals lined up so that I can do another session? Absolutely. Well, that's good. So, um, so it, it would be my intention that, yes, I will do another session, and uh, I will definitely do that with definitely in compliance with, with what I need. But at the same time, I am also hopeful that um, you know, we can get legislation change so that it doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah, like hopefully, because I assume a lot of people have tried to do this and been rejected. I would have to. I, I mean, there is anecdotal evidence out there of people who are most certainly following what I would consider to be a safe protocol. They're, uh, you know, they're taking a uh, known amount of psilocybin from a known source, you know, in the company of people who can make sure they don't get into trouble, and that is really about all that is provided in a therapeutic setting as well. So, you know, it's safety of what you're taking and and safety while you are out while you were doing your your therapy session they did they talk to you at all while you were um i don't know intoxicated i'm not sure what <laughs> what were these but... yeah under, under the influence yeah, yeah yeah um you know honestly not really it's uh it's not what uh you would expect to uh to a regular therapy session would be so the uh, the talking and stuff happens before and after but uh, during the actual session it is really uh, a very introspective and internal experience they just let you do you just yeah well the idea behind it is that you know everybody kind of has what they would term like an internal healer which I, I would say is uh, your own subconscious knows the places where you need work, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know yourself, whether your ego is in the way of that or, you know, whether you are in denial of things or, or whatever the case may be, but I think it's safe to say that most people have a pretty good idea of where their own problems lie. And what the psilocybin seems to do is to take the ego component sort of out of the way so the subconscious has a chance to look at some of this stuff directly without interference. Yeah, that's a, I like how you put that. It's a good way to look at it. So uh, for, for the session, I guess, to, uh, to answer that is um, Dr. Tobin very much just uh, allowed the process to be what the process is and whatever I happen to encounter or experience or see or whatever the case may be uh, we kind of assume that that is what I needed at that particular time and honestly that's what it feels like to me yeah that's good I I was kind of hoping it would be like that and sort of take the human aspect out of it and just let the medicine work well, it 
seems to work best if people just sort of, you know, get out of the way and let it do its thing. Yeah. And of course, I'm, you know, being in the way is probably where a lot of our problems have come from. Yeah, definitely. Just being in your own way and not either giving time to heal or just not being open to heal or whatever it is. There's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you're just in your own way. Well, sometimes it is. Or, as they say, uh, you know, we, we suffer a lot more in our own minds than we do in reality. Yeah. So that's where the mushrooms really help you, hey, is just take a, a kind of out of your mind all the time? They uh, put me more in the moment, I think right. would be a fair statement. So, you know, rather than what uh, could happen or what might have happened, uh, you know, I'm just really focusing easily on what's going on right at the moment. Yeah, that's that's very important. Like, especially for just, like, at the bare minimum quality of life, you know? Just, you know, you don't have to worry about the present or the past or the future. You're living in the present. And, like, yep. you can live right now. Well, there's, there's literally nothing you can do about the past, and most of what you think about the future isn't going to happen. Yeah. And the future, when you're always thinking about the future, it's just making you anxious. Mm-hmm. So. Typically, yeah. You know, for me, just experiencing, you know, what is happening as it's happening is, uh, well, a lot quieter. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I uh, I do tend to have a busy head, so you know, previously, very difficult to just try to. Uh, constructively focus on something and I find that's a little bit easier at the moment as well yeah that's that's good <laughs> sorry I, I'm really um, losing my train of thought here uh, yeah, that's okay I, I tend to babble a bit no 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 nothing, nothing like that I'm just uh, trying to come up with some, some things to ask you here while I, while I have you yeah, uh, not a problem is there any um, other sort of therapies that you've looked into, like, um, I don't know, MDMA or uh, LSD? Well, I kind of looked into uh, into all of them in that same family. So yeah. um, psilocybin and LSD and ayahuasca and uh, dimethyltryptyline, I think, are all in the same sort of uh, family chemically, or at least they uh, hook into the serotonin receptors in the same sort of a way. So um, I kind of lump them together as having the potential for similar therapeutic benefits, although the actual experience that a lot of people list is very different in terms of, uh, you know, duration and intensity. Yeah. you know, with uh, psilocybin, psilocybin, I have sort of come to the conclusion that it's a uh, gentle option, uh, whereas, you know, something like uh, DMT is the equivalent of uh, bringing the large wrench to the party. You know, it's it's not asking. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I most certainly think that all of those different things have a 
place, and I think they all need to be studied and uh, you know evaluated for their benefit. Um, I don't really have anything that I would consider to be a reliable source to get anything but a psilocybin at this time because yeah. you know I, I don't know how to manufacture LSD. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of takes a chemist mm. to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, likewise, you know the uh, the, the DMT. I uh, don't have any frogs handy or, or anything like that. So the uh, psilocybin was something that I knew that I'd be able to, to produce on my own, and I could depend that it was a safe source. So, are you growing your own then? I did. Yes. Oh, cool. How did that go? Um, well, I definitely grew enough to be able to use for my uh, psilocybin session. Uh, again, uh, I am under some pretty heavy restrictions on what I can actually produce and possess and stuff like that. So right. it's uh, not a free-for-all by any means, but I was allowed to produce enough to be able to to have a experience, and I would be able to do that again if I needed to. So what did, what are the restrictions? Well... Is that, is that okay to ask? That I'm, I'm not sure whether that is something that is publicly available. Okay. Um, I will say that I, I have to store it someplace that is, you know, the same sort of security as you would be storing firearms. Right. Um, the amount that I can have, you know, is enough to uh, have a therapeutic psilocybin session. But, you know, uh, most certainly I'm not going to be setting up a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the setting that I can take it in, it uh, needs to be taken with a medical practitioner. So that would you know, constitute like my therapist or uh, a naturopath or, or somebody like that. So they would have to be... Um, have a license of some sort, or well, they they didn't really clarify that. They did specify that you know my therapist was totally fine, but that therapist did not have to be like an MD or something like that. Okay, because I've sort of been looking into a uh, what was it called cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. And I was thinking about sort of taking that and then hoping to be able to, you know, incorporate a, a psilocybin sort of therapy in with it. And, you know, I, I've got um, my girlfriend, soon to be wife one day, <laughs> her, her, uh, her father is actually going through stage four colon cancer. Yeah, so he's got the same thing I do. So I don't know, I would hope to be able to you know introduce him to that as well you know and well I've uh, I've got a group of uh, people who are interested in you know doing this as a therapeutic thing uh, not all of them have cancer but you know we're a group of people who are discussing what uh, it would require to have a group of people who have the training that uh, 
therapists have in the use of psychedelics and uh, you know experience in having used it and, and things like that so um, I'm trying to, to bring together a group of people who would be able to speak to and educate uh, people like your father-in-law who may not uh, know anything about it the same way I didn't know anything about it and find the topic to be a little weird and confusing. Yeah, it's definitely kind of an unknown thing. It's yeah. like mushrooms is being brought to light more and more, but there's still a lot of people that haven't even considered it because they just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to be doing a uh, Zoom call here probably on uh, Thursdays uh, for uh, people who are either approved or who are applying, and uh, just kind of a, a hangout Zoom call for for people who have got questions about the process or or anything like that. So, okay, I'm kind of hoping that that will be a uh, a thing that people who uh, want more information would be able to check in at. So in sort of a podcast format, like like we're doing here, like you just take a call and talk to the person and it's live for others to watch sort of thing? or Sort of thing, yeah, but uh, on, on, Zoom. on uh, Zoom. I did one last Thursday with uh, uh, three of us who are uh, already approved, but, you know, not... Uh, necessarily one that I'm going to open wide open to everybody unless there's a, a call for it. But oh, okay, so it's, it's not definitely a... one for specifically interested and in applying people. Okay, so. so you're not like broadcasting it? Not yet. Okay. If, if enough people actually have interest in it, then I would. Um, but most of the people on that call are going to be uh, well, people like me who have applied for it already or or are kind of in the process and or are about to embark on the process and don't know what they need to do to apply and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that could be pretty interesting if you even record it and then sort of take audio clips of it and, or something. Yeah. to. That, uh, that might be something I do. I uh, have to uh, make sure that... The other uh, folks who are going to be participating in it don't mind either. So. Well, yeah, definitely. That's... But yeah, I, I guess uh, there are likely people who are probably looking for for some of that information, like, you know, what is the email address for the uh, Office of Controlled Substances, right? Yeah. So, does any of this have to do with maps? Um, the multi yeah, multidisciplinary. Association of Psychedelic Studies? Well, they haven't been involved in anything that I have done specifically. The only group that I have been directly involved with in this process is uh, Theracil. Okay, I haven't heard of them. Theracil is a uh, non-profit patient advocacy group out of uh, Victoria. And uh, they were extremely helpful. So they're at uh, therasil.ca, uh, spelled uh, uh, thera, like uh, T-H-E-R-A, and sil, like psilocybin, P-S-I-L. Nice. Yeah. Uh, therapeutic psilocybin is kind of their 
their uh, shortened name, but they are people who have specifically who you need to contact, uh, formats that your emails should be in that uh, you know members of parliament will be expecting to see and uh, uh, things that they will be asking. So you know there's a checklist of questions that the Office of Controlled Substance is going to be looking for and, and stuff like that. So <clears throat> all of these uh, little details that would take you months to figure out on your own, they're just available. Uh, on that website? Yep. Awesome. Oh, those uh, are people to talk to. So if you know somebody who is uh, stage 4 cancer, like your father-in-law, yeah. they are actively looking for people that they can help. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link up when I when I upload the episode as well. And I'll, yeah, I'll send yeah. them the link. That's, that's got, good. Uh, well, they got uh, the website. They got Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. They're much more socially connected than I am. And that's who you email as well. Is that who you emailed? Uh, yeah. So for uh, for initial contact, there so was uh, the first place that I reached out to, and from there uh, they provided me with uh, email addresses for the uh, Office of Controlled Substances and for the minister herself. And how long did the whole process take from like you emailing them to your first, um, I guess, meet up with them for the, the actual session and then the actual session? Well, for me, I uh, probably spent about two months in the, uh, in the application process. I was not the first applicant, um, so I'm just more of a, a vocal applicant, I think, is probably why uh, I have seen a, a little bit more attention than some of the other people who have applied. Uh, <clears throat> there are a few people who have applied who you know wish to remain anonymous and such, so uh, it's hard to be a squeaky wheel when you're anonymous, so I had to make the conscious decision to uh, sort of put myself out on public display and, and have my dirty laundry out there a little bit so that uh, my process wouldn't be, you know, a hundred days like other people were. Well, uh, that's what we need. We need, like, to hear your experience. We can't, like, <laughs> that's how we'll find out if it works or not and how we'll get yeah. more advocates for it and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, so for me, um, my first email went into the minister, um, and at about uh, two months, we uh, we got approval. So December, or sorry, that was on the uh, the fourth, August the fourth. Boy, I'm losing track of the days. But uh, I believe that was on August the fourth, and I had my psilocybin session on the twelfth. Okay. So, so you said they came from BC. So did they stay with you, for? Um, did not. Oh. Could have, but uh, but uh, he chose to stay in town. I okay. uh, can't really blame him. Um, you know, having the uh, therapy sessions is pretty uh, in depth, all day sort of uh, process, and I can understand how you know they would want to have a little bit of me time at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Um, so did you, how many, uh, I guess, meetings did you have before the actual session? So we had uh, a weekly session for probably uh, the three weeks prior to that. And uh, I picked picked uh, Dr. Tobin up at the airport on the Monday, and we uh, came to our house here and had a bit of a uh, you know, chat on the Monday evening. We spent uh, all day on Tuesday doing kind of uh, sessions and uh, doing some filming work on that day. Uh, actual session on the Wednesday, so that was all day Wednesday. And then uh, all day Thursday was the follow-up sessions. I have uh, since had a uh, chat with them on the phone uh, every Monday. So uh, we still do like a weekly session to reinforce some of the things that I have experienced. That's, that's good. Uh, how long yeah. are your meetings usually, or your little chats weekly? Yeah. It sort of depends on the day. Yeah. It's, you know, okay. anywhere from uh, a few minutes to an hour. Just just depends a touch up on. sort of thing. Yep. See what, you know, see if what's going if on. I have, I'm still sort of uh, figuring things out. Uh, you know, I have had the experience. I have seen everything that I'm going to see from that session, but every once in a while, you you still get one of those you know, hum moments, you know, uh, where something will strike you as, you know, being obvious, but I hadn't noticed it before. Yeah, you sort or, of uh, interpret it Poetry, different. for example, uh, you know, I have found uh, poetry gives me a much more empathetic connection than, you know, uh, just looking at the words on the page used to. Uh, so, have you sort of started writing poetry since your oh your trip, no or God, no I don't have reading that kind it of more talent. or but uh, I have had some friends send me a couple of pieces of poetry that uh, they thought were you know particularly good and you know reading poetry now as opposed to reading poetry a month ago is different. Hmm. So the the words offer more of uh, an empathetic emotional connection. So they're they're not just words on a page. It's more like ideas. Huh. That's that's cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. I, I just I hadn't looked at poetry that way before. So I mean, it's it's new and different to me and. Uh, Anything that's new and different, I'm trying to pay attention to. So is that limited to poetry, or can you sort of feel more through any sort of, you know, reading about, you know, reading a book? Does it hit you harder? Haven't really noticed it reading uh, just books per se. Um, I have noticed connections to other people, most certainly... Uh, I find myself in other people's shoes a lot more easily. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely have noticed that since um, using psychedelics as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
uh, you know, uh, in in traffic. You know, if uh, somebody is driving slow in front of you, more more likely to think about that person in terms of maybe they're your dear old mother or you know maybe your your daughter who's just learning how to drive as opposed to some jerk who's in your way. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, just doing that, I have found, has really reduced the amount of stress that I feel. You know, uh, I don't care if I get there two minutes later than I got, would have gotten there if I was at the front. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's that's great. I got to learn that a little bit more. <laughs> I think uh, I think most people got to work on that a little bit, but yeah. it's been a lot easier since the Lysibin, I'd have to say. Huh? Yeah, that uh, being able to alter your perspective or take on a new perspective of somebody else is is very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the very least, just not being stressed out about it, like shit that that makes you a lot happier on your way to or from work or to the grocery store or wherever you have to go. Yeah, I mean, just just not being uh, uptight about really almost anything at the moment. I, I mean, there is there is very little that I can think of where I don't feel like I could just deal with that. Hmm. You know, uh, I may not be able to solve the problem, but I feel like I could just functionally deal with whatever I needed to deal with, and that would be totally fine. Yeah, so you're not so worried about the things that you have no control over. No, not. You know, I, I don't have any more control over them than I used to, but I'm not stressing over not having that control. Yeah, that's important. Because, yeah, you have no control over it, so what's the point? You know, just mm-hmm. do do your best to um, get around whatever problem it is or whatever, and life yeah. goes on, and, I suppose. You know, and if there is nothing that you can do about it, you know, you uh, you accept it and uh, and move on to things that are within your control or or deserve your attention, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's all about your. Uh, what you want to put your energy into. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to feed the positive wolf, you know. And it feels a lot better. <laughs> it does. It, it just does. I, yeah, like I say, I am certainly no different problem-wise. I still have cancer. I still don't know how the cancer's doing. I still have no idea how long I have left to, to live, but the the quality of what I am experiencing on a daily basis is really, really better. And I have to say that before I had the experience, you know, the, the numbers told me that I would probably feel better, but I didn't really understand what sort of a shape that feeling better would look like. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> if you have never tasted chocolate ice cream before, I mean, it's it's very difficult to anticipate what it would be like. Yeah, definitely. 
well i'm like i'm i'm glad you got so much relief off of just one uh one session makes me well, interested so to hear so what so far so good i think <laughs> yeah i'm interested in hearing if uh more sessions help you more and more yeah yeah but i feel like there is more that i could do with it um i i, I don't know it's just the uh, the feeling i have is uh i feel like i have made progress with that session that i had um i feel like there is probably more progress that i could make if i had another session so well that's yeah. what i'm sort of saying like it uh it's not just going to be a one and done thing if if you're feeling like this much relief off of just one session like i'm mm -hmm. i think there's lots of potential in in additional sessions i think there is too you know and again you know i'm i'm always very careful about uh, how i'm phrasing things cuz i don't want people to get the uh, the impression that i uh, think that it's okay to just have like a psychedelic free for all yeah cuz i i really don't i i think it's something that absolutely has to be respected the same way that you know uh, alcohol or or cannabis needs to be respected and used in a responsible way yeah but definitely. i absolutely think it should be allowed to be used in responsible ways yeah i mean we are adults right like if yep. if it's being proven that it's really not that dangerous especially or not I mean, dangerous at all, really, if you're yeah. in a good set uh, setting with you know good people. But uh, most of the the uh, attention has been put on you know any of those bad situations, like you know the one person that jumps out of a window or something, you know. And well, uh, yeah. that's just, I mean, how many people do that on alcohol? You know, it's 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 how, how many people get into an accident today yeah. using alcohol. Yeah, it's yeah. it's we should be able to, you know, use stuff responsibly. Yep, I mean that's my personal opinion. Uh, you know, which of course that and uh, five bucks will get you a Starbucks. But uh, <laughs> personally, I, I feel that uh, I have made myself as informed as you can possibly be on the subject, and I'm certainly not unique. The, uh, the information is available, and I think anybody could do the same thing that I have done in, in terms of educating themselves. And you know, if, if after that education they feel that it is something that would be helpful to them, then I think they need to have an avenue where they could explore that. Yeah, give people the information. It's, it's, it is out there. Actually, I talked with a guy named uh, Gregory Lake, and he uh, wrote a book called uh, Psychedelics and Mental Health, and he's doing a series, and the first book is uh, psilocybin. So he's he's a lawyer, and he put together basically uh, as much as he possibly could of just the, the knowledge all over the Internet about psilocybin and, like, the dosage and the history and the legality and everything. And uh, <laughs> so that's definitely a good source. It does sound like a good resource. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he put a lot of time into it, and he's, <laughs> yeah, really good guy. It's nice to see that, that sort of stuff going on. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that is 
kind of the majority of my story. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to to talk about? Well, I think for uh, for today, for this go around, why don't we run with that? Awesome. And uh, I uh, most certainly wouldn't be opposed to having a chat on another day. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, we're friends on Facebook now. I'm sure we'll we'll chat lots and. If, uh, Very easy to find. Yeah, if you end up doing another session and want to have another little chat here, I would, I would appreciate sure. it, and I'm, I'm sure listeners would too. Um, yeah, this is great. I'd be down with that. And seeing as how we're both in Saskatoon, uh, might even have a coffee sometime. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Looking forward to it. Cool. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, you have yourself an excellent day, Shay. Yeah, it looks like the sun's coming out here, actually. Time to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, you have a good day. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Big thank you to Thomas Hartle for being part of the show and sharing your story. I appreciate it, and I hope this information reaches those who need it. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share on the show, you can contact me through the Facebook page, Instagram, or by emailing twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to show the podcast some love on whatever platform you're listening on by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now.